Welcome to Influence, the podcast that dives deep into the heart of influencer marketing and the creator economy with the people who know it best, the agents, creators, and marketers who operate behind the scenes. This podcast is hosted by Powder, where streamers can search their best moments to find short, shareable stream clips with AI. And I'm your host, Alyssa Goldberg. We're happy to welcome our guest, Paul Traficanti, co-founder and COO of DareDrop. His background in influencer marketing goes back a decade to the rise of content creators on YouTube and Instagram. Having worked on large-scale influencer campaigns with brands like Verizon, GoDaddy, Google Pixel, and Warby Parker, he's seen the power of influencer marketing when done right. He's passionate about helping brands reach the next generation at scale in an authentic way for consumers, creating a win-win-win for brands, creators, and their communities. And he's based in Denver, Colorado, and we are so excited to have him on the show today. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Alyssa. Excited to be here. Today, we're going to do a slightly different format. We're going to broach the topic of influencer marketing in a different way. When you and I were chatting before this official recording and getting to know each other a little bit, we ended up going down a rabbit hole discussing the origins of influencer marketing, talking about influencers from previous centuries and long before the internet ever existed, and circled back several times to a word that people either love using or are patently allergic to. That word is authenticity. So for today's conversation, we're going to tackle it head on and unravel that thread a little bit to examine what authenticity means in gaming influencer marketing in this day and age. So to kick things off, I'd love to know, tell us about your relationship to influencers in your career, in your personal life, and the road to co-founding Daredrop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so so I've been working, like, like you said, I've been working with influencers really, really closely for a decade now. Um, I remember being in, in like meeting rooms with large fortune 500 companies and execs marketing execs coming up to to us and saying like so what exactly is a youtube influencer like explain <laughs> explain yeah. that to me so like you know the really early days i think you know back then it was explaining um that there's people on social media that make content and that brands can incorporate themselves into that content um but you know, had the opportunity to experience kind of all the the pros and cons of it, like both really, really exciting, really great um, campaigns that, you know, made a huge impact and a huge splash on, on, on cultures and communities. Um, but also uh, campaigns that totally like missed the mark and, uh, you know, were forced or like felt contrived. Anyway, I, I've had the opportunity to do that. And then, um, you know, the last, uh, uh, Three or four years, um, I've started working on Daredrop, which which you mentioned, and we've really uh, my co-founders and I've really built Daredrop um, to kind of take a stab at what we think is authentic uh, and real um, with with influencer marketing. So yeah, excited to share more about that and talk about the topic of authenticity because, like you said, there's people that really enjoy talking about it, and then there's people that <laughs> you know it's like the plague. <laughs> Well, when you mentioned that you had seen some campaigns that were unreal or felt contrived, what can you describe those campaigns to me a little bit? Like, what does a bad campaign that feels inauthentic feel like? Yeah, I think, I, to be honest, I think the conversation probably usually starts with, like, a brand that is, is like, talking about starting with what's important to them instead of starting the conversation with what's important to the creator's audience, mm. right? And and understanding that. Um, it's, 
influencer marketing is like so different than any other marketing channel really in the, in the sense that you are handing the keys to your car, to your nice BMW or whatever over to someone else to drive. And you've never seen them drive. You don't even know if they have their permit or their license in some situations. And so it's really, it's understandably very hard for a lot of marketers that especially don't come from, from that background. But I think that that's, that's kind of where you typically see the dissonance is like, you can spot it early on because if, if, if brands are talking about the key messaging that they want people to say, um, and it feels very scripted or like there's a lot of do's and don'ts or, you know, um, there's some campaign that they're really trying to elevate and enforce. I think it's, it's pretty easy to spot versus like, you, you totally should have a campaign and key messaging if you're a marketer, but you should have a dialogue with creators to figure out what resonates for them based on your messaging and, and those things. And because what creators are going to tell you resonates for them is what creators are doing is they're thinking about what resonates for their, their relationship with their audience. What I like to always foster is like starting the conversation with what's going to resonate for creators in their communities. And do you find that what resonates for a creator's audience varies a lot from creator to creator? Or do you find that there are some common threads that run through that? It definitely varies from creator to creator. Then there's definitely nuance, but I I think there's general common threads that you know. I mean, a decade ago when I was starting this, were not common knowledge, and I hope now are more common knowledge. Like, you can give people key messages, but they're not going to read it word for word, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and like the creative components of their stream or their YouTube video or their TikTok posts are the most important thing to them, like creative, creative control in their content is really, really important. So not telling them, you know, scene for scene, what you want and things like that. Um, I think are, I'm sure they're not dead, but they're certainly dead (laughs) with Daredrops clients. They're certainly not a part of the conversation because we nip that in the bud pretty quick. Okay. No, I think that's super interesting. I think one thing that I, I struggle with when I think about what, authenticity means in terms of influencer marketing and in particular influencer marketing on a social media platform is if, you know, the definition of authenticity or at least the way that we associate it is that it means something real or genuine. And when you are an internet personality, you're ingesting a lot of data about how you're performing essentially right? For a Twitcher, that's very real. Like you can see how your community is interacting with you because it's a two-way conversation. You can see the concurrent viewer numbers. You know that when you stream some games versus other games, you get more or less followers or viewers. You know that when you perform certain actions, uh, you get more or less engagement. So how do you think about what it means to be authentic when you also are getting that real-time data that's informing your strategy So it's not necessarily 100% generated from you as a creator. There's also a kind of give and take with what the market demands versus maybe what you would have wanted in a vacuum. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's always like, there's always the argument that as long as something has hashtag ad on it, is it truly authentic, (laughs) right? Like that's, and that's a valid argument. Um, I think that um, metrically, metrically what, authenticity looks like is similar or better numbers to what like a given creator's averages are. So you look at engagement Mm. rates, 
look at engagement rates, you'd look at viewership retention relative to non-sponsored content and go from there. Um, That's obviously metrically. And then like from a more qualitative perspective is, is the content similar to what, or ideally almost exact to what the creator would normally be doing. So that's how, that's how I look at it because Things can, you know, I, what's nice now as well uh, that I'll add is like that wasn't true a, 10 years ago is a lot of like viewers and consumers expect their creators to have sponsorships now. Like a lot of creators have done a really good job communicating like, guys, I make my living this way. Like Absolutely. sponsorships are important and they've been good at establishing alongside their community what a good sponsorship looks like. So even though it says hashtag ad in the title, there's like, there's like established ground and like shared territory that they uh, have with their community that makes it okay. Um, and, and when they do that, and when they do that well, you'll find that viewership is the same, engagement rates are the same, everything, all the quality stays. I think that's super interesting. I was uh, looking at a Facebook group community of a, of a streamer the other day. And he was sponsored by a brand and his community was so excited for him. You know, he had maybe 10,000, 15,000 followers. So, you know, not, not tiny, tiny, but not huge, uh, but was starting to get his first brand deals in the community, I guess, who had seen him uh, through that life cycle was just excited that he was making money as a creator because they love supporting him and want him to keep doing what he's doing. Uh, and so I think that speaks a lot to what you're what you're talking about. And I think there's a level of transparency of like, hey, guys, this actually takes a lot of time and effort and work and money and whatever. And I'd love to be able to cover my costs by doing by representing this product, which I actually like. I think also like the, the size of your channel and your community at a given point in time plays a big impact on how you have that conversation mm. and what that conversation looks like, because when you're starting out and maybe not getting as many ads and you start getting them, you typically need to have a very candid conversation with people because they're not used to seeing it. Then you can see a lot of like, I like to go by like, I use the terminology head, torso, tail. So then you might start to become like a torso size creator. Um, And torso creators, you're expecting a degree of sponsorships, you know, as a consumer because they are who they are and their size is what it is. And then you get to the head creators and like, there is a level of diminishing returns for head creators where if you're just doing sponsorships all the time, there's some like saturation point where people are not that engaged and there's like, you know, diminishing returns with like the engagement that you get in your your stream or your your videos or whatever. I do think the relationship, depending on where you are as a creator, is also different and how you have that mm. conversation is really different. And how do you think about the way that authenticity is portrayed by gaming influencers versus the way that it is in other industries and with other creators. Yeah, I I actually think gaming is like probably the best industry in the world at this right now. Look at all the games that haven't even released anything other like they haven't launched the game and they've incorporated their communities and influencers as a part of that community into the game before it's launch. Absolutely as a way to help drive, you know, sales and wishlists and hype leading up to 
major events and launches. So I think games have done the best job because instead of games saying like, hey, we want you to talk about these features of our games or blah, 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 they're almost incorporating influencers as a part of their marketing, as a part of their community marketing to say like, we're happy to have you as a voice here and we enable you as a voice, whether that's you might dislike this update and we're okay with that. We still want to have a relationship with you and we want to learn how we can do better on the next update. Games have done that like 4 million times better than other (laughs) industries in my experience. But what do you think is an example of a brand influencer collaboration in the gaming industry that's worked really well that you look to as an example of like what the ideal is for authenticity in in this space? I I could be biased and name like my clients, but I'm not going to do that Um, because I do think our clients do a really good job with it. I really enjoyed, um, I think Warhammer recently, Warhammer Rogue Trader did mm. a really good job. That team, actually, they're a client of ours. So, um, full disclosure, they're a client of ours, okay. but they did a really good job. Um, so they incorporated creators like as early as PAX West, um, mm. give it, showing them vertical slices, letting them play it, explaining the game and really provided like a large, uh, global network to, to help creators, uh, become involved. Um, other other really good examples of incorporating creators, um, I think Cult of the Lamb and Devolver Digital did an amazing job. Yeah. Um, they built they built this whole, it was pretty popular last year, but they built this whole Twitch uh, extension where viewers could interact w- and make decisions for creators in the game and influence the game for creators, which was a, a phenomenal way of of giving the the audience and the voice an opportunity to like interact and Absolutely. Be a part. Be a part of the stream. Do you find that the relationship is a very different when a, a brand or a game hires a creator as an ambassador over a long period of time versus like a gun for hire in anticipation of a product launch? And what do you think are the best practices in each of those cases? I think in general, it's better the earlier you can involve creators and get creators incorporated into your game and what you're building, the better. Uh, if you're building a strategy RPG game, there's going to be certain creators that you should foster a relationship with. Not only are the creators going to like creators play a bunch of games and are like just really good. Like they're essentially good, like, like beta testers and just because they play a lot of games, right. They also are thinking about, they have a direct relationship with people that are consuming the content and playing these games and have dialogue with large audiences about it. So they're also kind of like market researchers to a degree. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, there's a lot that you can learn from talking to creators and thinking about their experience and what people like because they have mm-hmm. they have a pretty strong understanding of it um, and they can become a focus group for your game. Uh, alongside that, uh, if you're a marketer, I think a great strategy to to work with creators is think about how you can help them make good engaging content right with with the tools that you have like a very simple example of that is you might not have a demo yet but you might have a vertical slice um or maybe you have a demo but you don't have the game isn't for release and that demo is still private maybe it's in private beta you can incorporate creators into that so only give that access for example to content creators Content creators then get content that is exclusive and, you know, will drive a lot of eyeballs to them. And they're going to be equally excited about that. It's a win-win. Finding creative ways to um, incorporate them and give and help, help them to help you is like, to me, that's where like the best marketing campaigns happen. The example I used earlier with Cult of the Lamb, by adding a Twitch 
extension, you've now made it something where creators can interact with their audience and have funny moments that are, you know, disruptive or hilarious or, or just enjoyable, you know, for playing the game together. We have more and more people approaching us like way before the marketing teams are like ready for launch, um, <laughs> yeah. which is exciting um, because they're realizing the, the value in doing it. And there's also, I should say like for live service games, there's also a ton of value in just like an ongoing relationship. Destiny does a phenomenal job enabling its creators. Um, Destiny's on, I don't know what update number they're on, but <laughs> yeah. um, even even honestly, even when even when the update maybe isn't the most positive reception from the community or there's negativity around it, they really value their creators and they have a strong relationship with them. Even if their creators might not be saying something positive about an update or playing it as much, they want to know why. What do you think is different about, I guess, this ecosystem on on Twitch versus, I don't know, someone else who's live streaming on Patreon or something like that? Certainly. So every platform has its own unique qualities of what engagement is and how to interact with, as an influencer, how to interact with your community. Because of that, there's nuanced differences in how, as a marketer, you need to work with influencers and understand that relationship. The more you understand that relationship, the better. Patreon, obviously, is is a, a platform where creators, um, you know, interact with their paid subscribers um, by offering, like, extra value to them. And... Um, so if, if you're if 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 I was a marketer and I wanted to work with someone who wants to do some content in, on Patreon or they want to do something with their Patreon, the f the first questions I would ask are like, what do you normally do on your Patreon? How mm. or maybe I'd subscribe to their Patreon and just look at it myself as a consumer. Like you know, good marketers have strong empathy, right? Um, understand that experience and then ask the creator, like what kinds of content would be special and exclusive for your Patreons that would take it to that next level. It could be as simple as just like offering a giveaway. What do you think are some common mistakes that people make when they're trying to run authentic campaigns or they hire an ambassador or they feel like they're doing everything right? Like they work with a creator starting, you know, two years before launch and the creator's really along for the ride. Um, but they maybe slip up in a couple of other ways. Um, what are those common mistakes and how can they avoid them? I think that like some, some common mistakes that I've seen is like not having a marketing plan from the get-go. It's, it's okay to have a marketing plan and like and a roadmap and like everything goes bad, <laughs> everything goes bad or nothing goes <laughs> to plan. It's okay to have that, but yeah. it's, it's important to be clear about your plan with the creators that you're working with well in advance. So they understand what the involvement is and, and they're excited by it. I think, I think when things do go wrong, you just communicate it and, and let people know and be real about it and haha, be real. You could say be authentic if you had a, th <laughs> a thesaurus. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's getting crazy here. Um, uh, but, but be real about it. I think is, is, is the honest truth. And, if you lose, if you lose some creators in that process, I think you, that's okay. You know, um, other creators are going to be excited by that or, or excited by the opportunity to help make it better and offer the, you know, offer ways that they can help. Um, so I think not having a marketing plan would be one. I think making sure that that plan, I mentioned this earlier, but making sure that plan incorporates what creators would like to see in their content, right? So when you, when you build the plan, use creators in building your plan and figure out what kinds mm -hmm. of content opportunities or opportunities they're looking for that they could be excited by. 
they might not appreciate if like the demo that you made is only if it's for Twitch streamers and the de- or you want them to stream it on Twitch and the demo you made is only 15 minutes of gameplay. That that might not be as as exciting for a Twitch creator because they want to sink their teeth into something a bit more. And maybe your a better approach then is to think about YouTube or or TikTok or something where those 15 minutes of gameplay can get a lot more legs. So creators will give you that. You don't need to hide that information from creators. They're going to happily, especially if you're yeah. involving them early on and have a relationship with them, they're going to give you that insight and you don't need to to force it or try to do guesswork, you know? And do you feel like generationally the that Gen Z and Gen Alpha have different engagement patterns with influencers compared oh, yeah. to previous generations with respect to authenticity and how so? 100%. Um, well, first off, Gen Z and Gen Z, well, Gen Z is the first digitally native generation to exist. Um, and Gen Alpha is following suit, um, obviously. Um, I think that, and there's a lot of research, I wish I, I had uh, uh, one handy, but there's there's um, a lot of research showing that um, Gen Alpha especially really um, has adopted video and live video mm. more, more than um, previous generations. Um, I think that that's like, you tee this up wonderfully, Alyssa, but like, I think that's because of the authenticity and like, there's really nothing to hide. There's no fourth wall. The adoption of like Roblox and now Fortnite is doing an amazing job with these like kind of UGC open, open, um, open source environments where people can, can like dive in and build their own worlds inside of it and like express themselves inside of your game, I think is, is another, uh, strong indication uh, and obviously those platforms skew a little bit younger than your, or those games and platforms skew a little bit younger than the average, you know, it's younger than like the wow audience, for example. And I think seeing the adoption of people expressing themselves in those communities and platforms is another sign that self-expression, trust, authenticity, like your personal truths are coming forward more in through these platforms, um, whether they're gaming platforms or or non-gaming platforms. There is a lot of conversation also around TikTok among these generations um, and how authenticity on TikTok is a little bit different from other social platforms. Uh, do you think this is true? Why or why not? And how do you feel like TikTok kind of coming into the conversation has influenced what authenticity means in influencer marketing? If I get really high level of it, like... Please do. Each... Each new, uh, each new social platform that hits kind of masses comes through and disrupts the existing like status quo of what social media is. Like a few years before TikTok, it was like Snapchat. Um, TikTok came through. I mean, you could talk about OnlyFans even as well as like doing yeah. something disruptive. There, I can't wait to see what the next one is. I'm looking forward to it. But I think I think each one has gotten closer to um, to ease of use, especially like each one. I think what's nice about TikTok is like, I mean, you could be like 10 years old and like make a very high quality TikTok post, like probably Absolutely. better, probably better than most millennials can. To do the same on YouTube is incredibly hard. I mean, obviously like everyone knows this, Mr. Beast invests millions of dollars in his videos. The barrier to entry is much lower. And so I think you see, because of that, you see like a just wider array of things. But I think what always what always happens over time, in my experience with the social platforms, is 
they continue to develop their algorithm in such that incentivizes you to make more content and to follow like some some guardrails. And so yeah. like like I sometimes think about TikTok today as like the early days of YouTube, like you know, the what what are some of the crazy YouTube videos that went viral like 10 years ago, 15 years ago that just could not possibly go viral on YouTube today. Those videos would get like 10 views on on YouTube now because YouTube has built the platform in such a way that they incentivize you for investing in your videos, having quality content, posting regularly, driving good watch time. Like there's a, there's a bit of a formula and obviously no one knows it better than Mr. Beast, but that's purposeful, right? For the longevity of YouTube. And it totally makes sense. I suspect that TikTok does its own versions of that as well. Um, I mean, TikTok has already added live streaming. They started really short form. They've already talked about adding longer form video Absolutely. into the platform, right? So you, you can see the signs that they're there. To go back to your original question, now that I've gotten so high level, but to bring it back to reality, like you're going to see all kinds of stuff on TikTok because there's such a low barrier to entry. And it's like a wildly volatile platform in terms of prediction. If yep. you're working with creators, you can be like, cool, like your average views are 20,000. But the reality is, is like they've had five videos hit 5 million views and like five videos hit like yeah. 100 views. And it's like, how are you supposed to predict it? Because like most social platforms in the early days, there's just volatility. And like there's some like discovery that's happening both between the social media platform and the people that are making content on it, those minds are kind of coming together and working together to figure out like kind of what, what they want to be the TikTok live NPC thing. Yes. Recently, which like was I, as just like an innocent bystander, I thought was just hysterical. Like I, I just thought this was like such a weird, funny thing, but yeah. it was, it was obviously like, it was somehow like the most inauthentic thing ever while also being like the most human authentic thing imaginable. <laughs> like, absolutely, like, absolutely. Right. Like I can't blame any single person or judge anyone who was doing it because we're all trying to make a living. We're all like, you know, doing our thing, but Get your bag. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, but like, is there longevity in that? Like, no. was it right? It, it was just a fad and like it went viral and like, it is what it is. This this also fits under like TikTok is the wild west right now of social media platforms. Yep. And there's going to be all kinds of there's probably going to be something in 2024 that we're like on TikTok that or maybe another platform that we're like what the heck is going on? I mean even Twitch still has it. Twitch just had it recently with the you know, Twitch changed one thing about nudity in their their terms and <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden like all of a sudden we're looking at like there's people nude on Twitch. Like, what yep. is going on? What role do you feel like emerging technologies play in shaping or challenging our current notions of authenticity or of influencer marketing? My experience in working with creators from a technology point of view, my previous company where I started was a technology, is that if you're taking creators' time and energy and value from them, that you're probably doing something wrong and that you need to think about how you're helping them enable their voice, enable their, enable their workflow, um, enable their time, enable their energy, those types of things. And a great example is Patreon did an incredible job of that. Right. 
It allowed creators to enable their voice. It allowed creators to create like a special relationship with their audience that they could monetize oh. in a new well. So it allowed them to create um, uh, uh, value off of it, like in that case, monetizable value. I think when we've seen technology fail for for the creator economy in the last 10 years, it's typically the value exchange there of what they ask for and what they provide is not equal to one another. That's something we think a lot about at Daredrop. And I think mm. Powder does a really good job. Powder offers a lot of great tools to shameless plug for you guys, but Powder does a lot Thank of you. offers a lot of great tools <laughs> to creators that I think, you know, you guys have clearly thought about like what are the things that are going to allow creators to be more efficient from taking their content in a live stream and distributing it across places. Like you're thinking about what the creator does and making their their lives easier instead yeah. of just like asking them to asking them to use your link in bio or asking them to use your tool. <laughs> You know, which like you see, like you see people, people be do like, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. You see people be like, use my link in the bio and like disrupt what you're currently yep. doing for this. But the value isn't there. The value trade-off yep. isn't there. And so I think that's super important. Um, mm. I also think um, your platform can't, I think technology can't depend on like, so all of the social platforms have like really strong power laws, meaning like, you know, we know this on Twitch, but like, the the vast majority like of the viewership that happens on Twitch happens from like the one percent of yep. of creators platforms that I think can work not just they need to work for those creators as well to be successful they need to work for for these kind of like head creators as I called them earlier but they also need to work for torso and tail in in my experience and that can be really hard when you have like a if you're trying to price your product like pricing someone for a creator who's like maybe only has like 10 concurrent viewers and, you know, is doing it on their, in their free time is way different than someone who has 10,000 viewers and this is their full-time job and they do it 80 hours of their week is spent making content. Understanding that there's a different uh, relationship with your product and the value exchange that I talked about based on where you are in your creator journey is, I think is also really, really crucial. So if you were going to give advice to another company that was trying to target the like torso tail um, creators and trying to price a product for people who, you know, they might be a librarian by day and at night they, they come home and they stream for six hours. Um, how would you advise that they, that they think about that? Yeah, I think, I think you need to think about helping them grow. Um, first, first and foremost. So the number one value in, in my experience, and I guess full disclosure of this whole conversation is I'm actually not a like content creator. Um, so, you know, that's I, okay. I turn, I not turn everyone often creates content, right. I turn often to content creators to, to validate these types of understandings, but yeah, like, yeah. it is worth noting that like, I've mm -hmm. only been on the marketing side for, for so long. When I talk to creators in our platform and our ecosystem, and think about how to how to offer an exchange. I think the smaller the creator is, the more important growth is. Um, and so, if you can demonstrate growth and provide them growth, a you could, there's there's two approaches. I think Daredrop is taking the approach where we invest in in creators. You know, Daredrop is free to use for creators as a whole, but we invest in creators um, early on that are a certain size. You know, mm -hmm. knowing that some percent, whether maybe it's only one percent or or whatever, will hit that next level, and then it'll be a great fit for that for them. And then, 
you know, a, a smaller percent of them will hit the next level, et cetera. Um, that's one way. The other way is making sure that the growth that you bring, maybe a, a tail or torso creator, that that value, that ROI is clearly there um, so that you can see that by investing an extra dollar, by them investing a dollar in your product that they're getting three, four or five dollars in exchange in return um, is, is what's important. Because, I mean, what I'm saying could very easily be, I could be talking about anything in marketing, right? Which is totally. like, if you're, yeah. if you're a CMO, like, what do you care about? You care about if I invest a dollar, I get three back. Um, so, but like content creators are just marketers. Um, they're, they're just doing marketing most of the time. Like there's so much overlap with what they do. Everything we were talking about earlier about finding the trends and blah, blah, blah. Like that's what marketers do. They're, they're marketing totally. and they're, they're their own broadcast. They're their own TV network almost now. Um, so anyway, when, when I, when I think about like what technologies can do, I think, um, certain products certainly need to be monetized in some like format that isn't the way that we do it. Like we get paid through, through sp sponsored dollars. Um, so making it, you know, uh, just free for creators. Um, but making sure that that value exchange is, is, is real and is there. Um, I mean, Twitch in the early days with bits, it's an 80, 20 split. So um, so creators get 80% of whatever, uh, uh, a fan, um, or viewer does with bits, um, donates or whatever. And they found a model that works for that. And then obviously they do the ad revenue split as well, but the technologies need to think about it similarly, which is like, what are the values that are most important to creators based on their size? And, and how do we make sure that we're delivering multiples of that value, um, in exchange? How do you think about increasing regulation or AI in terms of the authenticity narrative in influencer marketing? And to what extent do you think these things will impact the market? It's certainly already impacting the market. Um, I, I actually, that's a great question. And I would love to, I'm going to redirect it back to you after um, because <laughs> okay. you guys are even more in that space. Yeah, and I'm yeah. really cu curious what you guys think. I think um, similar games, video games actually have a similar problem. With, with AI, we're like, at what point are we crossing the line of what's authentic or not? Um, and I think it's the same thing with content creation. Like, where is the line of where AI is disrupting? Um, I think AI can be really interesting for like, I mean, VTubing has totally taken off in the last couple of years. Yep. Um, AI can help if, if someone, if it helps them make art um, and designs and like experiment with different types of VTubers so that each stream you can have like a different character. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think you guys are doing a, a great application of AI, which is like using AI to make creators more efficient and better at what they do, because you guys know this as well as anyone that making content is a ton of work. Um, it's really hard. It, it takes a lot of time, <laughs> yeah. right? Things that make creators more efficient to me is all fair game. Um, and I think it's great. I don't have strong enough of opinion on like it's disruption of like making the content itself. Yeah. My gut reaction to that is like, I don't want to sacrifice the ultimate power of, of what content creation has become, which to, to me, for me, uh, very personally, what used to be like a Coca-Cola ad with Santa Claus on it to speak to the masses and then became like Michael Jordan and Britney Spears and blah, blah, blah has now become like, I have, I don't like, 
a creator for, for the LGBTQ community or like a creator who's neurodivergent and speaking to neurodivergent people, like those people inspiring other people and, and creating value and like happiness in people's life to me is like, that is like why I do this and involve myself in this industry. The fact that we've allowed like more diverse voices to have an audience and the fact that there are such large audiences shows like how much lack of representation and voice there's been historically. And I think that social platforms and content creators and influencers have brought that forward in the last decade or so. So everywhere where AI enables that, thumbs up. Everywhere where AI uh, disrupts that in a way that is unhealthy or inauthentic, I would probably say thumbs down. <laughs> so there's yeah, my long no, answer. I yeah. Totally agree. And the like yeah. TLDR of the way that we think about things is that, you know, AI is a really useful tool to help accelerate what people do, be do best or to save them from the tedium of the parts that they probably shouldn't be spending their brain power on, right? Like if you are a really creative video editor, you want to spend the time adding creative flourishes, you know, doing interesting cuts, showing people different perspectives, going into the storytelling and the story arc. But no, do you really want to watch, rewatch, you know, seven hours of footage to clip a small moment? Like a machine could probably do that for you a lot better. And that's why we made powder, right? But what we see from a lot of, uh, from, from smaller streamers and, and gaming content creators, who are tech savvy people who are also early adopt adopters of new technologies and they're always willing to try new things. Um, that's one of the reasons why they got started with streaming in the first place and they try new games and they figure, they figure out technology that's really complicated in both software and hardware is that they're experimenting with, you know, AI script generators. They're experimenting with thumbnail generators, all of these kind of small, tedious parts of their workflow that they'd rather not think about. They'd rather spend the time playing a game, speaking with their community, uh, going to sleep, spending time with their like friends and family once they log off. Um, those are the things that I think AI really enables people to do better. But do I think it should replace a creator? Absolutely not. Um, I mean, we know that at least in like content generation, um, you know, AI, brings things to, to the middle. Like it's in a normal distribution, it, you know, you're not gonna get like extremely exceptional uh, content that's generated, you know, when you're asking ChatGPT a question and you're asking it to brainstorm with you, it might help uh, with divergent thinking and including ideas that you haven't really thought of before, but it won't help you narrow in on like the one kernel of information that's just so unique and is going to change the dynamic of the market you're in. Um, and so it's a great thought partner, it's a great co-pilot, it's a great assistant, but I do not think we're at a point where there's a replacement uh, or, or supplement, you know? AI can, I like to believe that like AI can only be good as what was created before it, mm. right? And only, this is like very high level, but like only humans can, are, are creative and unique enough to create the next thing that no one thought of that just AI yeah. can't do it. Hopefully I remain true about that. But yeah, uh, at least for now, at least a, for now, we'll, uh, we'll come back to this exact moment in a few years and, I'm yeah, gonna and I'll be like, and, well, foot in my yeah, mouth. we're working for machines now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, I just have a couple more questions for you. The, yeah. 
The first one is what advice would you give to individuals aspiring to become influencers, especially in a market like gaming? Learn the algorithms. Learn the algorithms. Um, I think the creators that really elevate um, learn what makes the algorithm tick to serve you and find you. Um, I was recently talking to a, a, a head creator who was telling me about the early days of when they were growing their channel. And they realized that this is a Twitch streamer and they realized that when 8 a.m. Eastern time hit, that all of the Europe creators were going to bed. Um, or I'm sorry, was it all of the Europe creators were going to bed? No, it's all of the um, late night creators on the Pacific coast were like finally going to bed it might not have been 8 a.m., but the point was it was really early in the morning. Yeah. And all of the people that were super, super late West Coast were, like, going to bed. And that there was this – so they discovered the games where that transition was happening and went live. And all those people would host them and – So, so interesting. Transition – because they were just starting their day and, those, and people were still awake, like, having a stream on. Maybe they were trying to fall asleep or whatever it was. I don't know. But they – they've like sort of discovered that. And I bet you, if you talk to like Mr. Beast or someone like that, they would have dozens of, uh, of, of suggestions that say like, learn the algorithm, you know, like whatever platform you're making it on. And you're probably the other, this is segues the other piece of advice. You probably need to be making content on multiple platforms now. Cause they all have different, uh, they do something different for audiences on every level. Um, but learn the algorithm for the platforms and then yes, make content on all the different platforms. So like TikTok right now, I, we talked about the wild west, but like the reality is, is that you could spend an hour making or less making a TikTok post, um, and it can get 5 million views. Um, a YouTube video that you might get a hundred views on is going to take you a lot longer. Um, totally. And so that doesn't mean that you shouldn't make YouTube videos. It just means that if you're thinking about the time that you have to allocate to make content when you're starting out, you need to think like a marketer to think about what is going to be the best ROI for me um, over time. Um, so those are those are probably the two best pieces of advice that I have. Um, the, actually, I just thought of a third one, which I really like. Um, and and someone, another creator recently gave me this uh, as a suggestion for their for their audience start a relationship from, from the beginning that you feel comfortable being able to ask your audience for something like establish, mm. establish the territory that when, when I ask you for something that that's a part of our relationship, you know, that yeah. I entertain and we have a community, but when I need something from you that you're willing to do it. Um, totally. And that really helps with like, this was particularly in the conversation of sponsorships, but that really helps in that case. And it helps with the authenticity of, of the hashtag ad, which is like, if you've established that those boundaries and that relationship with your audience, that when you do ask them, it's going to come across as authentic and real because those grounds have been established already. What advice would you give to any agent or marketer hoping to succeed with influencer strategies? Learn from creators, learn from their audiences, especially in the beginning, like do the, do the things that don't scale. Right. So like talk to creators very, very directly, form very direct relationships with them, yep. learn about them over time. You will find parallels and things that allow you to scale it more easily. Like those, those learnings do happen, but in the beginning you have to learn how your product or service or whatever it is 
fits with creators and with their audiences and what types of creators it fits with and doesn't. Be willing to try stuff and fail. We used to work with a client at my previous company who was like a thrifting um, service, like a thrift mm. website for clothes. Yeah. And they purposely took the strategy of casting a really wide net early on because yeah. they realized that they had biases that were impacting like other audiences that they hadn't really thought of before. So they cast totally. a wide net and then they learned, they learned a lot of failures. Like they learned a lot of things that probably were not going to work for them, but they discovered a couple of things that were like, had we not known that there's like this whole other vertical of it was in this case, it was like kind of audience targeting, but this whole other vertical of like content creator and audience targeting that they wouldn't have intuitively been drawn to. And that ended yeah. up impacting like their Facebook ads targeting and things like that. Yeah. Like it ended up impacting other channels. Is there anything else that you think that the listeners should know about authenticity? And is there something, do you feel like the word is, is maligned, overused? I don't think we would still be talking about it if it, if it wasn't overused. I think it's always going to be a component of influencer marketing because there's always going to be people on the other end. Um, and as long as there's people on the other end and we see those trends of the next generations of trust and authenticity being more and more important to them, it's only going to become more relevant. We just need to get better at it. I think that is a perfect way to end this episode. Thank you for tuning into Influence. It was wonderful having you here today, Paul. Uh, it was super, super interesting. I'm so excited to uh, re-listen to this episode. Uh, remember that with every episode, we bring you the minds and voices leading the charge in the influencer marketing world, helping you stay ahead in this rapidly changing landscape. Follow us on social media at PowderGG on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube for more updates and behind the scenes content. And Paul, where can people find you and Dare Drop? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um... It's Paul Trafficanti. Um, my name will be in the thing somewhere. DareDrop.com is our website. And then you can obviously find us on um, Twitter and TikTok as well. Our social media guy, Alex, actually adores our TikTok and puts a lot of great content in it. So if you're just a fan of gaming, go check out our TikTok. It's at DareDrops on, on TikTok.